Good afternoon. I am Maria Gerard, and you are listening to Dawnland Signals on WERU-FM. Dawnland Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations with truth, healing, and change here in the Dawnland. We explore topics such as restorative justice, restorative practices, decolonization, cultural revival, and more. Our guests are people involved in aspects of truth, healing, and change work. This program is offered in an effort to share, inspire, and inform. Dawnland Signals is a collaboration of Wabanaki Reach and WERU-FM. Good afternoon. My name is Esther Ann, and I am your co-host. It's January, and and, uh, many people around the country are participating in what they call dry January. Many folks decide that their New Year's resolution is to um, give up alcohol. And so last January, we had the pleasure of um, having two guests on our show to talk about recovery and well-briety. We had Brian Altvader and Melanie Paul, who talked about her book, her debut book, a memoir called Savage to Wellness. And we're so happy to have Melody back on the show this year to talk about her new book called Walk in the Recovery Road, The Steps Taken. And Melody is here. She's going to read some excerpts from her book, and we're just going to dive in and and, uh, talk about her book and hope that everyone after the show goes out and purchases it. But for now, Maria is going to lead us in a land appreciation. Thank you, Esther. Yes, let's just take a moment um, to pause and to acknowledge the land beneath our feet. Wabanaki, the land of the first light, the dawn land, land that has known Wabanaki ancestors, the tallest trees and the oldest rivers, land that has known peace and conflict, land that has nourished us and sustained us since time immemorial. We acknowledge the indigenous peoples of this land, Wabanaki, the Passamaquoddy, Penobscot, Micmac, Mousie, and Abenaki, and we give thanks to your stewardship and resilience. Madame the Ben all my relations, we are broadcasting from WERU Studio in Blue Hill, Alamusic, Wabanaki. Holy one, Maria. So Melody, so happy to, to have you back on the show to start off uh, the new year on, on such a positive, hopeful note. I <clears throat> took the time last week to, to read your, your new book, Walk in the Recovery Road, The Steps Taken, which is a follow-up to your debut um, memoir, Savage to Wellness. And I, <clears throat> I took a lot of notes. I was I was so, it, it was hard to put it down. Like I, I downloaded it and I read it online because I didn't have enough time for it to get shipped. I wanted to make sure I read it before the show. And I just sat here at my computer and it, I just got right into it. I really appreciated um, how, even though you went, you know, you skipped back through different parts of your life and back in time, you, you still brought us that. You're like, okay, now here we are. And I'm talking about this now. And I really appreciated your writing style. And 
at the back of the book, you, you did some dedications and shared uh, pictures of people that have passed that were important to you and um, some of the poetry of uh, fellow people. And I just really appreciated how, how grateful the, the attitude of gratitude throughout the whole book. So I'm happy to have you here. And maybe you can just start by, um, you know, introducing yourself, where you come from, and then just talk about how you ended up creating this other book. Hi, Esther and Maria. Uh, and thank you for having me on the show again. Um, I'm excited to be here. And um, I'm very grateful that um, to be with you ladies today. Um, so this book, the second book um, is kind of like a self-help book. It's my recovery steps. It's what I did to change my life style. And um, I wanted to help people understand it a little bit more because when I first got into sobriety and recovery, I, I was really like confused about it. And I wasn't even sure what to do. I, I like listen to people and I like, you know, being Native American and speaking, growing up speaking Mi'kmaq, I sometimes have a hard time like to like, it takes me a little while to like process certain, certain things. So it just kind of like confused me a little bit. So um, I just wrote it down. I wanted to share it with people. And I was hoping my hope is so that people will understand a little bit um, what I wrote and like how I wrote it. And maybe they will take the step into the recovery world. Excellent. Thanks. I wondered if um, you wanted to talk a little bit about how you got into writing to begin with. So this is your second book. And um, I remember when you were on last time, you talked about how you um, got into writing. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that just a little, just a little bit where when I first started writing, like, uh, to be honest with you, I, growing up, I liked to write. Like, I didn't know that I liked to write this much. <laughs> so when, like, when I was kind of forced to sit down in a room and then by myself for hours, I was like, okay, now I have to, like, let me try this. So I just, I started writing some stuff down and, like, in it, I didn't know how much like therapeutic value it had. Um, so I just, I just, this is what I did every day. I would, I would go back to the, the notebook I had started and I just started writing stuff down and like trying to figure out my life. And I just, um, that's, I didn't realize how, how much I love to write. So, and it just kind of was natural to me. And um, so part of the things in recovery is like finding things that you like to do that when you're sober. So like when I got sober, I realized like, wow, I don't, I don't have a lot of, I don't sing. 
you know, I'm not like, um, you know, that I don't play sports. I don't do like, you know, I'm not, there's some things I don't do. So I was like, what do I like to do? I had to like real, I had to get to know myself because it was so many years that I like spent like drowning my life. My, I was drowning a lot of my life away with substances or drinking my early twenties and thirties. Um, and I just, I kind of wasn't really living. So getting to know myself when I got sober, was like an experience that was like therapeutic for me. And, you know, in that like time I was like, well, I guess I like writing and I'm, you know, let me, let me try this. I had a friend of mine come, come see, well, today she's my friend. Um, she came to do an interview with me when I was incarcerated and I didn't really know this lady, but, um, she came, she was working for main free press and she was doing a, um, story on me about recovery. So, um, we got talking and like, you know, she, it, in this article, if you read this article back, it says that I was writing my life story. <laughs> and I was like, a month after this article came out, like two months after, I was like, wow, she wrote that I was writing my story. This means I, maybe I got to get started. <laughs> so honestly, that idea that that article came about, and I was like, maybe I can do this. So maybe I'll try it. So that's how that all started. Wonderful. I'm so glad that it, it did start that way because now you have these two uh, books to contribute um, and to be helpful. Melody, um, you said that you grew up um, speaking Mi'kmaq. Can you talk about um, where you grew up and, and your early life a little bit before coming to Maine? Yeah, I could talk about it a little bit. Um, so I grew up in Nova Scotia on, on a reservation called Eskasoni. And the populations, I think it's, I think there's like 9,500 people. It's a pretty large, it's the largest Mi'kmaq reservation in the world. <laughs> and um Everybody, when I was growing up in the 80s there, there was a lot of us, like, you know, groups of kids um, and their parents would talk to them in Mi'kmaq. And, you know, even our storekeeper spoke Mi'kmaq. Um, and everybody, like my grandparents were across the road from us. I had uncles, like, and aunts close by. And it was like a tight-knit community. Like our family was like real... Uh, close and every time we had gatherings everybody would like joke around in micmac and you know always have good laughs and communicate and like if we spoke english they'd kind of like they'd kind of discourage us from doing that so i i understand why they did this now i understand why my grandfather was discouraged us from you know so we wouldn't lose our language so um this is like a part where um like I'm really proud of because, you know, growing up and speaking my language has helped me to like um, 
continue like keeping my my language strong and stay connected to my roots a little bit i'm able to like i understand and speak it well um so i just um it's important to me and um i guess when i moved to maine back in the early 2000s um i didn't realize how hurt my heart was that I wasn't speaking my language. And I honestly didn't realize this for years, you know, stepping back and leaving like my culture and my native ways and my community really did hurt me. And I didn't even know I was hurt for a long time. I didn't realize this for, um, I didn't realize this till I, till I just recently, these, these years that I've got real clear-minded yeah i um appreciated in your book how you you talk about how you've been able to incorporate your Mi'kmaq ways of you know your your spiritual ways and your cultural ways into your own recovery and then bringing that to other native people in this area through wellbriety yes um, I started doing wellbriety back in 2000. Originally, I started doing the wellbriety meeting. One of our elders, actually one of my mentors, he was one of my mentors, Alan Sockabasin. He introduced me to wellbriety, and this was at the WAB, and I didn't have a clue. I was like, um, he invited me to a meeting and I was like, what, what, what meeting is it? <laughs> you know, cause I was go, I was in Wellsprings back in 2012 and he was like, just, just come and check it out. You're going to like it. And I'm like, all right, let me check it out. And so honestly, when I went to this meeting, I was like, wow, I love it. And it, it, I made sure I was there every week. It like, it kind of like connected me spiritually in a way that I can't even describe. And I like really was thankful. I've always thanked him after that. I was like, thank you for introducing me to this. And our circle was like consistent. And today I have those, those same friends that still go to that meeting, to the meeting at the web. Um, and um I've had people come to me today. Actually, we have a celebration in Wilbriety today. Somebody's celebrating two years. And uh, this person told me like a few months back that they found their spirituality in recovery through Wilbriety. And I was so like, I thought that was pretty cool. So I was just like, that you know because I know I understand like that was me and you know because we smudge in the beginning of the meeting we like have a talking stick and it puts people in a different like mindset compared to other meetings like you know um so I started doing the well Friday meeting at the barn back in 2019 just before COVID is when we first started at the barn, Bangor Area Recovery Network. And we've been there ever since. And um, it's going strong. And um, 
we have a good group of people and it's all all colors everybody is welcome that is in recovery to this meeting and there usually there's there's a good amount of people sometimes we have special guest singers um and we have celebrations um i've been able to expand a little bit of the wellbriety stuff to like on tuesdays um i facilitate a wellbriety meeting in Millinocket at the Healing Lodge for women. It's a women's meeting. And then I've, ex well, Bridie's expanded to, uh, we have a well, Bridie meeting on Mondays on Indian Island. Um, there's a well, Bridie meeting at the Department of Corrections, which I've uh, come together with my um, coworker. Uh, Sandra, um, and we've we're going to be starting up to do a weekly well Bridie for the uh, uh, pre-release and the women's center and the men um, for our Native people and that are incarcerated that want well Bridie because when I was incarcerated there for a year, I was kind of wondering like I was always looking for that like little piece that was missing and. And that little piece that's missing is the wellbriety fills that part. Um, it has just a good combination of uh, like spirituality, but recovery too. So um, I'm very excited about it. I appreciated how earlier you said that um, a big part of uh, recovery um, was getting to know yourself again. And then saying how after you left Escazoni that you didn't even realize like how hard, how hurt your heart was and and so um, you know just what an important I guess just to highlight what an important piece culture and spirituality is to um, recovery and I love how you um, you know you talked about Alan Sakabase and being a mentor for you. And um, now you're this mentor for so many other people and how everything has just kind of come around full circle. I love hearing that story. Thank you. I have to um, interrupt for, to say that you are listening to Dawnland Signals on WERU-FM. I'm your co-host, Esther Ann, along with Maria Gerard. Dawnland Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change. Today, we are um, with Melody Paul, author of her second book, Walk in the Recovery Road, The Steps Taken. So you said that your um, second book was sort of like um, a self-help book, and it was sharing the steps that, that you took. Did you want to um, talk about what some of those were? Um, sure, I could talk How about it. Yeah, sorry. Um, I think I can, yeah. Um, so thank you again, Maria and Esther, for having me on your show. And my dogs are in the background crying. Um, I'm trying to run away from them, but I'm like gonna open the door. Um, so hopefully they won't get too loud. Um, but yeah, they, so. So believe it or not, like, I guess they, 
I did my steps, some of my steps, um, even before I realized I was doing step work. I went after I was ready back in, you know, four years ago, four and a half years ago, almost, um, when I was ready to actually do the work that they, they say to do. Because people think recovery is easy and it's like, you don't have to do anything. But really it's kind of hard because it's like, you have, to, you have to look at the things that have bothered you for years um, and you have to figure out a solution. You have to figure out how these things won't bother you anymore. You have to do your homework on yourself. So like with me, doing my step work. Um, I, I had a friend of mine that I wrote about actually in the book, Amy, and she, without me realizing it, I was, did my step, step five with her um, to tell a friend or tell somebody close to you, you know, what, what wrongs you have done, what, what's the major things. Like I told her secrets that like, I told her things I was ashamed that I did in my past and like I told her shared with her some stuff that I would normally not share with people and she she was like that's because she was already familiar with she was already familiar with step work and I didn't I wasn't I had not done my steps yet so when I got together with her when we were both incarcerated she kind of like guided me a little bit when we were, when we used to walk for hours at Wyndham, talking about how we're gonna have, our lives are gonna be different and how we're gonna like change when we get out. And she helped me, she helped me with my step work even before I even had a sponsor. So I guess she was kind of a fill-in for a little while. So, um, I did my step work even before I, I honestly knew that I was doing it. I admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. So, um, and the spirituality. The another step that I took was that sought through prayer meditations to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So I, some people I've heard like say like our native ways are kind of connected with how we, we are with the steps, like sought through prayer and meditation you know, and when I was using drugs and alcohol, I didn't, I didn't, I stopped praying. I stopped praying. I stopped believing. I stopped meditating. I was lost. So for me today, in order for me to even live life like a regular person, because I'm a drug addict and alcoholic, if I don't, if I don't go to meetings, if I don't do the step work, if I don't have a sponsor, if I'm not honest, and all my affairs, all this stuff, um, then I could fail, you know, I could fail, like, without the community support, and people that are in recovery, and people that support, support my recovery, um, 
if I don't surround myself with this positive people, I could easily derail and I can't have that right now. I don't, I don't want that. So yeah. uh, in, in your, in your book, there, there's a sentence and this is just one sentence, but you talk about this a lot. Um, I, I'll quote it. It says, I had this disease of addiction in my head as well saying you need to comfort, you need comfort and, and cope. So come back to me. I did not want drink. I did not want to drink or use substance. I did not want to numb, numb out. I wanted to feel even the pain of rejection, any happiness, any anxiety as well. So I, you know, that I like how you talk about how this disease addiction is a disease. And it's like, it's, it has its own spirit almost, you know, it's calling to you, you know, just come back to me. I'll, I'll give you what you need and how difficult it is to keep resisting that all the time. Honestly, it's a, it's a daily battle. Um, like this is why I wrote about the friends at the, in this book, these friends of mine that I wrote about too, I added in, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know um, that I would add them in. It was like, I had one of my best friends in there and I had a hard time with, um, I had a hard time with, actually these four people were really like crucial, like in my recovery, like, um, so to lose all of them in one year, was very painful and this was during covid in 2001 and i was like they all knew i was already writing the second book i was like they already knew i was like you know they'd ask me what are you doing today or like you know are you going to a meeting or like you know when are you going to visit i'd always be like well i have to write for a couple hours this morning and like, then I can go to a meeting or, you know, get a coffee, but it's weird how they ended up in this book. Um, but the pain that I went through in 2001 um, with their, them passing away, I, um, it, it made me like um, stronger in my recovery because I didn't, I didn't resort to um, drinking or drugging, even though it really was hurtful. I, instead I took it in a way where I looked at it in a spiritual light. I looked at it in a spiritual way. And, um, I looked at it as a way, like they're my, to now they're my guiders. They're with me today. And they're my like little they're my angels today. And I kind of had to go, I had to like switch that, that. I had to switch off like this sadness in my brain and kind of look at it in a spiritual way where they're in a better place, you know, and they would want me to move on. So. Absolutely. I, um, I appreciate how you are acknowledging the fragility of recovery so um you know and that it's it's something that you don't take for granted that it could be gone and um and I remember last time when we talked last year we were talking about that how you know recovery is not for the faint of heart it's it's a, a lot of work um and it's hard but it's so worth it 
Yeah, there's um, a part in your book that you talk about how um, <clears throat> how it this disease that haunts you and wants you to lose, and it does sit-ups, just getting ready um, <laughs> to 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 win, you know, over you. And it, I, it's so I think it's so helpful to have that kind of um, what metaphor, analogy, whatever that, that you bring to, to this disease so people can understand um, how it is for somebody that is struggling with this disease. And even, you know, people that are actively in recovery and um, that it's more than just, oh, just don't drink, you know, oh, just don't use, which sometimes we hear from society that it, it's such that that people have this free will, but when you're fighting this disease, um, it's not unlike diabetes or any other disease, you know, that you have to um, maintain and keep, it's a continual battle. Thank you for that, Esther. Like, honestly, it's, all during my relapses, like, or even just my experience these past few years being clean and sober in the program, like, people have gone back out that you wouldn't think, you know, or somebody was doing so good, like, you know, or they just celebrated a year. And then, you know, it's just our, this is a, it's a very powerful disease. And it's, it's really dangerous. Um, today, um, I am able to help people get services that they need. And that to me um, is like, I'm, it's very rewarding and being able to do well writing meetings and talk to people and help them and getting phone calls for like, you know, getting phone calls from people I help on a daily basis is like, empowering it's just like a community of people that support one another and like if people are listening right now and they don't understand recovery it's it's um it's a hard battle if you have like a relative or you know a significant other or even if you're listening and you have a struggle with stopping there's help out there there is services, there is ways to stop. There's, there's support where you can talk about it in circles that where you don't have to go and drink or drug about it. You can go talk about what's bothering you. And, you know, or even if you're just uncomfortable in your skin, you can learn to love yourself and not have to resort to drinking or drugging because that's what I did for years. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I had things that were bothering me that I didn't know were really bothering me until I got into recovery is when I started to see really clearly. And um, I think it's just important that um, the audience knows that it's, it's hard. It's a hard battle. If you have somebody that's like, you know, keeps slipping and it's frustrating and they're doing things that you don't approve of and they're out there, you know, maybe they're sleeping outside or in their car, but they're, you know, still actively using it's once they get in that like mode of like, it's easier 
it's it's a easier for them. It's just it's so hard for me to explain it because when I was actively using, I nobody was gonna. It was hard for me to stop. I think if I didn't get arrested, if I didn't get arrested, I I might have just probably accidentally killed myself from drugs, or harmed myself in some way with the alcohol. Like once they're in that like sick, like it's like a hamster wheel. And they, they can't get off it like it's, um, but there is a solution. And I've seen, I've been able, I've been honored to be able to help people um, into like treatment and like, in, and help guide them in ways where like today I see them and it's, they're a different person. Mm. It's they're going to college, they're working, they're getting their kids back, you know, um, because they're, they're fighting, they're fighting their disease back and they're winning. Now, <clears throat> one thing that I, in, when you were talking uh, about your friend, Pete, and how, uh, you know, I, I started thinking about, you told that story and I won't give it away so people can, can read it for themselves. But just, I started thinking of, you know, um, how family members or, or friends can, can interact and support somebody who's, in has this disease and you know where is that line between being concerned and helpful and um but not consumed with worry and not feeling guilty and you know when what you sometimes you have to let go and let god i think you can't control anyone you said somewhere uh, in in the book and how difficult that is um for people who have loved ones um who you know, are struggling and maybe they've, they've had to have Narcan two or three times, you know, to bring them back and how, um, you know, just any advice you would have for, for people who are supporting, who love someone who, who has an addiction. Um, so, so I, I've been on like both of these people have like, I've ran people away when I was using and like, they've ran me away, you know, but today it's, it's my mindset's different towards this. Um, if you're helping somebody or trying to help them, but they keep going back out, just be patient. And, you know, if you have to, you know, there's, there is treatment programs where they can detox themselves safely and there's um, also many pathways to recovery where if they don't like one certain meeting, they can experiment and go to another meeting. There's, there's like, there's all sorts of different meetings and you just have to find the right ones that, and then you have to be comfortable in the group to talk. You know, if they're, if they're like um, needing some, medical assistance today they're like like there's people I know that are on programs where they, they take something to help them on a daily basis so that they don't go back out and use drugs and it's very helpful for them that you know um, if they have like certain issues like you know there's counseling available to guide them to counseling like I honestly I 
I went to um, Bangor to see a substance abuse counselor and I paid out of pocket because they have sliding scale fees. I, I didn't like get discouraged and like say, oh, I, I can't afford it. I don't have insurance. Um, there's, they offered me a sliding scale fee, like $25 a visit. And I, I, I went to the counselor um, monthly is what I could afford at the time. And, you know, I was able to like have them as a, somebody to help me in my recovery process, like kind of like a sponsor, but in a professional, like professional feedback, I did everything I could possibly do. So I would not drink or drug. And it is so possible. Like if you're listening, you're getting discouraged or you're tired or you're staying with people you don't want to stay with. And you're like tired of like the, the, um, the drug and alcohol, like that world, you know, you can change all that. It doesn't have to be that way. And there is so many services available um, out there in our state. I know there's a lot. Um, so just don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your relatives. Don't give up on your friend. Don't give up on your loved one that you know is already suffering. Um, try to guide them in the best way possible. And just, you know, if you have to sit them down and just look them in the eye and say, listen, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to hurt anymore. What can we do to help you? I appreciate that um, sound advice so much. So true. I uh, just wanted to say that you were listening to Don Land Signals on WERU-FM. I'm your co-host, Maria Gerard, along with co-host Esther Ann. Don Land Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change. And today we are talking about walking the recovery road with Melody Paul. So, um, yeah, there's, so much, there's just so much packed into this conversation. I'm really appreciating it uh, very much, Melody. Um, did you want to talk at all just about um, the process of, of um, well, we can talk about whatever you want, but I'm just curious, I was just curious about the process of, um, you know, putting the books together, and I know that you've been sort of on the road and doing some um, book events and things like that, so I'd love to hear what you've been up to in that regards. So, yeah, um, the process of writing the books, um, each book took me about a year and a half. And then after that, it's like waiting for the publishers to like print everything and approve everything. It's a process, it's a long, it's a long wait. And I think my third book's gonna be, I'm thinking it's gonna be a children's book. I've already, I honestly started writing it yesterday. I love and that. I'm gonna, yeah, it's going to be about this kid named, okay, so it's going to be about a Micmac boy named Hunter and the little people. <laughs> yeah. I love it already. So, I honestly, I was thinking to myself, this next third book is going to be a children's book because, uh, you know, writing, it takes a lot of time, especially if you already have a job. And, you know, if you don't have a job and you're not doing anything, start writing, write it out in a notebook first and then 
you have to like retype it up and it's that's a major process um so just me rereading this walk in the recovery road book it took me 11 hours it took me a whole day um to reread and try to edit it and like it just was it's a lot so the third book i'm definitely going to be starting like hopefully have a co-writer with me um this children's book won't be <laughs> won't take so long um but it's been exciting um i've gone to boston at the native native american center and they welcomed me that was that was kind of a highlight i was able to go back to escasoni and do a book event there i have a few few places lined up as well in maine um, I'm going to be at the Rockland Recovery Center on actually next on the 18th, January 18th. I'll be there at three o'clock at the at the Rockland Recovery Center. I think they call it the Recovery Hall. Um, and there's just a few things lined up now that it's like kind of cold out. I don't want I can't. I have to make sure that the roads are good and like it's it's a lot of traveling time and I just I don't want to I'm not going to do a lot of I'm doing like maybe going to do one event um one event a week so yeah it's going to be I'll be at the um coastal recovery community center at 11 white street in rockland um Three to four, we'll share my story of addiction and incarceration and recovery. Four to five, we'll have book signing and snacks. And five to six, we'll do a we'll do a well-brighty recovery circle. So if you're listening and you're interested, come check it out. That sounds wonderful. That's in Rockland, you said, right? Yes, that's in Rockland. And can you tell um, our listeners how to read your new book? So you can get my book. It's available on Amazon. Um, and you can also order it at Doran's bookstore. Um, and it's available at most bookstores. Um, if you go to your local bookstore and you ask for it, they probably will order it. They, they, it's it, it's available for order at most bookstores. So, mm. I'm looking forward to getting a copy and reading it. Sounds wonderful. Is there any um, passages you want to read to us today? Um, I was going to just like a teaser. <laughs> um, let me see. Let me see. <clears throat> we have about uh, five more minutes together. Time, time always flies. Oh, wait. Um, did I make a mistake? 10? 15. We got about 15 minutes total left. So I can either read a poem or I can read a page. How about start with a page and then do a poem after? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, I was wrong. It's just right. Um, I thought we were. I thought we had uh, less time, so go for it. All right. 
So I'm going to read page 127 from Walking the Recovery Road. Um, all right. I knew that I had to mourn the loss of the friends that I had lost. I took a few days off from work just to self-care, just to understand that death is a part of life and that I believe they will be my friends in the world after this. I also took some time to just be lazy and do nothing for a few days. That is what's important in recovery to just self care, to just breathe and take a step back and eat some ice cream and watch favorite movies for a day or two. <laughs> um, I also knew that I needed to regroup myself, especially after the pain in my heart for my friend that I lost. I focused on service work and writing for a bit. I knew that I had to be extremely careful or I could fall hard. When I realized that I couldn't stop myself from crying anymore, I let go of the hurt. This is when I started to feel again. After the process phase, I realized that I had more work to do on myself. When I started to figure out what was bothering me inside, I knew I had to instantly get rid of it. It can turn into disease real quickly if you allow it to just sit sit and do push-ups hey this is the page <laughs> okay so it can turn into disease real quickly if you allow it to just sit sit and do push-ups the terrible disease of addiction can turn a good day into a sour day as quickly as the weather changes in new england i focus most of my energy to homework working, helping others. That's, that's why my friends always encouraged me to do. Sometimes we lose friends, but gain new ones along the way. Changes are extremely uncomfortable in recovery. I know this especially to be true. When I noticed that I was missing a void in my heart, I decided that I would get a dog. I wanted a smaller breed dog. I reached out to some local animal shelters, but they didn't have small dogs. I looked in the newspapers and other sites in my area. No luck. I decided that I would do my research on social media. I found a breeder that was located just an hour north of me in Island Falls, Maine. The puppies were a mix of Maltese and Yorkie, a Morkie. <laughs> I messaged the breeder and asked if they had any puppies left and when they would be ready to take home. I was in luck with, with when the breeder said to me, I have two left, a male and a female. That's when I replied, I can place a deposit on the mail, please. I sent, I sent a money order out that very same day. I knew that having a puppy would bring comfort to our home. My son was having some difficulties, some difficulties, at the time, being a typical teen, I knew this would be a good thing for all of us. So that was page, um, that was the page you were talking about, uh, Esther. I think that was the page. Yeah. I really, um, <clears throat> I like how throughout the book you, are real about the hopelessness and you say the word insanity a lot the insanity 
of how you were when you were um, actively drinking and drugging and then all of the hope and the you just really show and lay out how like these things like getting a dog buying your home you know get being oh that job that you had when you first got out you know being so grateful to have this job and not feeling like it was beneath you to to make coffee for people and then finding the the uh the joy and the the positives about anything that you're experiencing because you're so grateful for another day here and another day sober um it's such an inspirational book i think for for people who are suffering from addiction and people who love people who are suffering i think i think everybody should read it and even for people who don't have a clue what addiction is about um read both of your books because it's such a such a good first-hand account and it's just so real there's no um you know I love it <laughs> I've already recommended it to a friend of mine who's purchased it oh thank you Esther and Maria for having me on your show today Absolutely. And um, Esther said the word, you know, inspiration. And that's what I, I think of when I think of you and, and your journey and the work that you're doing. You're such an inspiration for others. And um, it's so wonderful to, to have you given back to community in that way. And I've seen people, you know, look, look to you and look up to you and appreciate your, your wisdom and all of that. So um, it's so, it's so needed at this point in time in our in our communities i i was just um scrolling through and came across the story of when you went uh, to the camping trip and the stuff that happened there and how you reflected on that and you know made a decision that there were people you needed to apologize to like you said i'm going to apologize to the campground for speeding off <laughs> and, and just, you know, always that accountability, that constant being accountable for your actions um, and making amends and admitting that, that you made a mistake and, and vowing to do better. It's just such a lesson for everybody. Um, a good way to live your life, that attitude of gratitude and humility. Um, Thank you, Esther. Um, yeah, I've talked. I've talked to each and each of these people I was camping with, and like explained to them, "Hey, you know, progress, not perfection. <laughs> like, it's still like a work in progress. Like we do, we will. Our it's recovery is like being reborn. You know, we have to like. It's almost like you have to teach yourself how to like." communicate again you have to be like assertive being honest being you know like all of this stuff like all together it's it's hard work recovery is work it's it's not easy and it's almost it is like a rebirth for sure um I just wanted to thank both of you ladies for having me again I remember when I first met met both of you I think I met you at the web both of you um, and along the, at some events, um, but you two have kind of like inspired me too. I always seen you both doing things in the community and helping our people. And I just wanted to thank you both for like, 
doing that because I've thought of you over the years and like, I know you like, and I know we're not always together, but you're always in my thoughts. Mm. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes we, uh, you know, it's easy to, to just go and do stuff and not really think about the impact you have on people. So I, I really appreciate that a lot. It makes me feel good. Oh, Esther, I, I remember you at web and we had that connection. Like there's times when you just have that like instant connection to somebody. And I'm like, who is this lady? <laughs> like, I was like, who is she? Like, am I like, it just the, like the soul connection. I didn't realize it back then, but I realized it today. So thank you. Would you want to share one of your poems, one of the poems that you have in the book? Yeah, I think actually I will. I'm going to read a poem written by Sabrina May Toma. And she is one of my, she's one of my soul sisters, just like you ladies are my soul sisters. All right. So this poem is on page 144 of my book, Walking the Recovery Road. And Sabrina wrote this, and she is an awesome poet. Um, her, this poem is called Spiritual Gardening. Spiritual gardening is when we are true to ourselves. In our garden, we plant the seed. It is put in the dirt, covered in darkness. When we start working on ourselves like we are a garden, we are able to find a light and give it to give it the nutrients it needs with love and forgiveness we start to grow we okay sorry we start to see the growth of planting good seeds taking out all the dead weeds with willingness and love and nourishment and patience we can have hope to see the light that we need so we can start healing to keep living and watching our garden grow. We need to learn to let go. Mm. I love that. And just the name of it, spiritual gardening. That sounds fabulous. We have a, just a few minutes left. And I wonder if it might be a big ask, if you could say the serenity prayer that you have in here in, in Mi'kmaq. Um, so I'm not able to do that. No. Okay. <laughs> Cause you have it in, in English and you have it in the language too. Yeah. I think that, well, I got this, that, this one, I, I did research on and I'm not able to, um, say it. I'm very sorry, but I'll practice for you. Can you say it in English? Can you give us the, serenity, can you give us a serenity prayer in English? Um, yeah, I could give you the serenity prayer in English. Wonderful. Hold on, I'm just gonna put this up real quick. Sorry, it's taking a second. I'm just gonna. That's okay. I'm just looking through these pages and it's written differently on here because I think um, it's different on here, but it's the Serenity Prayer Mac. Like I could say Niskam Ignamui. And then I don't, I can't say that one, but okay, I'm going to say it. 
God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage so that I can change the things that I need that need to be changed, and the wisdom to know the difference. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Melody. Absolutely. I appreciated this conversation so much. And um, I'm glad that you're um, back for a second year in a row in January, talking about your second book. And who knows, maybe next year you'll be back in January talking about that children's book. Certainly okay. looking forward to it. So with that, I'm going to start signing us off. Um, Thank you to our listeners for joining us on, on Dawnland Signals. Uh, continuing to our very special guest, uh, Melanie Paul. Thank you to volunteer technician Jeffrey Hodgkiss for his ongoing assistance and support. And be sure to join us next month, February 16th, and every third Thursday of the month for Dawnland Signals and more conversations of truth, healing, and change. Church. Up, Jidge. Up, Jidge.